in Seattle. Seattle. You need to buy yourself a home. We'll be right there for you. Because we're the realtors that you can trust. So go to RodandDancerDown.com. Don't go anywhere unless you want to. It's the Ron and Don Show, starring Ron and Don, and sometimes me, at ronanddon.com. All right, you guys, what's going on? Welcome to episode 572 now of the Ron and Don Show. We are live from the Les Schwab Studios on the Ron and Don Radio Network. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Hey, coming up on the Ron and Don Show, we're going to tell you some podcasts, maybe a book. Ron gave me a great book that I've been reading, so we'll tell you some podcasts and books if you're getting ready to travel this summer, maybe some must reads for you also we're we're talking about boomers right now having to go to work and why are they having to go to work because well the generation down below that's sleeping in the basement on the couch which is well a lot of them now have moved into the primary bedrooms of their parents house and the parents down the basement (laughs) anyway boomers funding their kids running out of money in retirement and going wow having to go back to work when i'm 73 what's going on here before we get to that let's do Let's get to this. Before we get to that, we'll get to this. Talking about traveling. Ron is a great traveler. And I was talking to him yesterday. So, hey, we should go diving. Spring of next year in 2024. He goes, I am. So if you want to come along, Ron, they say type A travelers right now. There's a kind of type A traveler. They are already booking trips for 2024. Why do you, why do you, why do you start so early? Uh, I think for a couple reasons. Number one is because it gives me something to anticipate in my life. <laughs> I like it. This particular trip is um, I'm tacking on to my niece's wedding. So my my brother's daughter's getting married. They're doing a destination wedding. Uh, it's down in the in in uh, Cancun, and so I'm going to be down there. And I was like, okay, I'm already in Cancun. Right. And so it's quite expensive. The resort they picked is not cheap. So it's like, I'm already going to be here. At, let me tack on some time afterwards and do some dives. Uh, and so I've been, I've been to this part of the world before and it's, I, I really like it. Uh, and so I was like, okay, I'm going to extend my trip a week. And I was like, I, and then I invited you. So part of the benefit of doing this, uh, and you probably know this as a, an Airbnb host, is if you're going to come and your son is going to come, then we're going to need an Airbnb lodging. Like I, I would don't think we should stay in, in a hotel. And so people that are allowing you to book a year out, yeah. typically um, I think you can find some deals because that type of personality wants the security of knowing that they have a reservation uh, in March of 2024. And so typically that type of person, you'll find some that are not going to go for top dollar. Do you think that I'm fair on that? They're going to go, I want reservations right now. Um, I don't need it to be top of the, you know, absolute every nickel off the table. I just want to make sure that I'm booked. Well, so I'll, I'll disagree. Someone that's going to book with me early, they're going to pay top dollar. It's the person that waits to the last moment that they're not going to pay top dollar. At the same time, they're not going to get the dates they want. So as long as they're flexible, but if they're doing it at the last minute, yeah, you can get a deal on Airbnb for sure. But if the dates are important to you and you're like, I have to have these dates, you're, you're going to pay a little more money for those. But I think the trade-off is 
Sometimes when you're traveling at the last moment, you're paying a lot more money in airfare. You're paying a lot more for that rental car. You're paying a lot more for everything because you haven't planned. But I would say on the Airbnb side, if you plan early with me, yeah, you're going to pay top, top dollar for that. I think with you, top dollar, I've found in these foreign countries that I can get some pretty good deals if I'm if I'm out uh, months. The other thing for me in, in planning this is it gives you more flexibility. Um, I can pay over time. So it's pay, I'm paying in cash. Uh, where I have long enough runway to go, all right, in this month I pay for my airfare and then I'm going to save up a little bit. Next month I'm going to pay for lodging number one. Next month, so you don't get, I think people that wait and wait and wait and wait, all of a sudden they go, I can't afford this trip. Uh, You know, it's going to be $4,000 to go to Italy or whatever. It's like, well, it's still $4,000, but if you did it at $400 a month or in smaller chunks for a while, um, it, it seems less. I have a friend that's a type A traveler. She just went to Italy with two of her kids. There's another child that came along, but, but she is an engineer and a very smart engineer and just a type A person. And, and, and so she created this trip. They were on the road for three and a half weeks, almost a month. And I looked at some of the pictures of where they were, and it's not like that you're staying in youth hostels. I said, what did this trip cost, including airfare? She said, I did it all for $11,000. For her, her two kids on the road in Europe for three and a half weeks. I'm like, that is amazing to me because if I would have waited to do that, I'd be paying $211,000. $211,000. So, yeah. So, um, I, I think this type A travel thing, the, the other thing that's really big right now, and I, I haven't delved into it too much, there's a lot of travel gurus that are teaching people how to use points here, here, there, and everywhere. And so, it's interesting to me. I just, it takes a lot of time. So, you know, it's like, oh, you're going to get this Sapphire Visa card and it gives you these points and then you're going to join this thing. And it works. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not a scam. It's just if you're, you have to be, if you like clipping coupons yeah. and doing that kind of stuff, <laughs> no. there are these ways to like get upgrades yeah. and you're going to get a business class and you're going to yeah. unlock all these different tiers. Um, I, I just, the only tier I want and I'm, I'm tempted to buy it is lounge access at the airports. Uh, I don't know if you if you ever go to lounges. lounges are, yeah. Oh have, my uh, god, it's the best. Yeah. And so like I think you can get American Express Platinum and it has a big initiation Oatmeal fee. Oatmeal just tastes better. You get to read the old oh, Seattle Times. Wi-Fi's free. The USA Today. Yeah. It's like it makes uh, you feel like a king in his oh court. Oh my god, it's great. So like that's the one perk that I'm 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 willing to like I will pay the daily rate yeah. to go into the lounge if I have a decent layover. Um, but like I'm tempted to just get that one card that'll give me a lounge access. Um, but it, it is pretty expensive. Yeah, I I think I wrecked my son on on one of our trips for his birthday, and it's because I didn't I don't like riding and coach. And if I can book far enough out, I'm going to book business class or first class. I just am. But when I take him along with me, it's like when he gets older, he can sit back and coach by himself, right? He's 13. I think he's going to travel this summer the thir- by himself for the first time. So as we've been traveling this year, we've been practicing, hey, find the end gate, get me on the train. Uh, what if we needed help? Who would we ask? Those types of things. And I've even thought about getting on a plane and sitting separately from him, me up front, him in the back. Uh, anyway, he is sat up front with me one time on our last trip together. 
I think he's wrecked. I, I, I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to start get him to sit back and coach again, let alone an Amtrak train where a 13-year-old belongs because that's what I did when I was 13, damn it. And I did it in the snow and the rain and the sleet. Anyway, we'll see you on the other side of that. Hey, one of the things Ron and I really like about Le Schwab is they are always doing the right thing. You've heard us say before, hey, they've been doing the right thing since 1952. It's true. And the thing I love is they really get involved in the micro communities around here. Cause you know, Seattle, Tacoma, Five Fremont, what are we? We're just, it's a really cool area where you th- find 300 cities and towns that are just kind of connected with bridges, water and mountains. But let's not forget what's happening in Maple Valley for kids. This is pretty cool, Ron. Yeah, on July 22nd, the Valley Girls and Guys at Les Schwab will be having their fifth annual Be the Hope Walk at Summit Park in Maple Valley. It benefits the Valley Girls and Guys Foundation and is uh, dedicated to providing assistance to local families who are impacted by any type of cancer diagnosis. How cool is that? So you can participate and register. That's a 1.8 mile walk. It's 35 bucks. You can go to valleygirlsandguys.org. That's valleygirlsandguys.org. All right. Les Schwab, they've been doing the right thing since 1952. All right. Listen up, Everett in Woodby Island and our friends over on Bainbridge and of course down in the South Sound and over to Wenatchee. What's right up, up University Place? Yeah, and right on the east side and of course all our freaky friends in Fremont. You know why I name all these places? Because Ron and Don have the biggest social media following and the biggest podcast of any realtor in the state of Washington and probably in the Pacific Northwest and probably in the country. As a result of that, Everybody in the Ron and Don Nation, well, they're choosing Ron and Don to sell, buy, and invest in real estate. And why do you do that? It's because you trust us with a capital T, and we have a connection from all our years of doing Trustor Radio. But Ron, at the end of the day, we still have to step in, do a great job, be phenomenal, and win the deal, right? Yeah, it all starts with the Ron and Don sit-down. It's a 30 to 45-minute Zoom call, free of charge, no obligation. We'll meet you, see if we make a good team. Email me directly, ron at ronanddon.com, or you can set it up on the website, ronanddonsitdown.com. Are you guys... Welcome back to the Ron and Don Show. I think this is really interesting because a lot of our clients and a lot of our listeners in the Ron and Don Nation are boomers, right? And it's interesting as we go out, we'll do a Ron and Don sit down online to see if we're going to be good partners. And then if we are and we're going to sell the house, then I go out and actually do a sit down at the house. We walk the house. We come up with a scope of work, a strategy, how we're going to sell the house, find out if we're going to be a good team. Yeah. And if we're going to be a good team. Uh, this will be the strategy in bringing this house to market. And then Ron also does a live CMA, some, some other really cool stuff. And because in my life, I do a lot of building, I have access to lots of great contractors uh, that we can push to the front of the line to make sure that your house gets sold and, and, and is ready. What's interesting to me, and I'm really proud of everyone in the Ron and Don Nation that I have met that are boomers that have kids, They've really had this, not only this great work-life balance, many of them have rich relationships with their kids, with their children, which means they did good job as a parent because their kids come back to them, right? And, 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 and one of the things that I read in this article that was concerning to me, uh, and Ron, I want to get your thoughts on this, is that they say boomers around the country have sacrificed sometimes their retirement to make sure that their kids have a good 
cushy life or they have a great education and why they're going to college. They don't want to create, they don't want them to create debt because they know that saddles them. They want them to have better lives. They're going to work harder. We see this a lot of times with immigrants that come from other parts of the country that are first generation. I saw a story last night about a gentleman that is a janitor seven days a week, but he's about to send his fifth child to medical school because he wants to make sure that his child has had a better life. So I think we all feel that way. I don't think it's an American thing. I just think it's a thing sometimes when it comes to parents. But Ron, what say you? Because they say there's a lot of boomers now, and we haven't seen this with our clients, but a lot of boomers that are having to go back to work because they took a lot of their retirement money or they never saved for it in the first place because they were financing their kid's life to the part that they're paying for their vacations, they're paying for their education, kid never goes to work, job's not good enough, and or kid wants to be an influencer. And as a result of that, uh, mom, dad, grandma, and grandpa are having to go get a job again to finance their retirement because maybe they didn't save for it in the first place or they reached into that. So I don't see that with, with our clients. What do you see? I see, I, I see a pretty, a pretty nice balance. Uh, I do as well. And like, there are some clients that we have where I really am envious of, of how they've navigated that because it's, it's not easy. Yeah. Uh, I think in today's day and age, I, I think about this and we've talked about this, you know, even, even, uh, you know, a few weeks ago, there was a similar type of story and I've thought about it a lot. And I think the world really has changed, uh, in some fundamental ways. When you think about just in the, in the course of, of our lifetime and our parents' lifetime to go from, uh, you know, the computer basically being a government owned entity. Like you, there was no, no such thing as, as home computers or cell phones. Like the technology changes that we've seen to go from no computers to like I had a Commodore 64, then an Apple IIe, and now I have a hundred times that computing power on my phone in my pocket uh, to go from no internet to now the internet dominating industries to being able to generate an income on the internet if you want to. Like these are, we, there's always been disruptive technology in the world. Uh, you know, when the automobile was invented, you know, it put the, the, the horse and buggy business out of, out of business. But the pace at which it's happening, and now with the invention of AI and chat GPT and all these things, the acceleration of that is new. Uh, because now you don't have one technology being impacted, you have all the technologies being impacted. And so I think to navigate as a parent now and to be dragging these old assumptions through your life, um, your kid is in a different spot. It's no longer the case where, you know, my grandfather could look at my mom or my dad and say, go to college, get a degree, find a company, you're going to work there for 30 years, you're going to retire, buy your house down in Florida. That was a legitimate life plan. Have a couple kids, have a travel trailer, take a vacation a year, you get the gold watch at the end of the end of the rainbow and you're down the road. That's not an option anymore. Um, so I think for a lot of these parents that are saying, hey, this thing really changed around me quickly. Um, my kid doesn't have the opportunity that I've had. Um, there's no such thing 
for 99% of kids anymore to say, get that degree, find a career, work there for 30 plus years and retire. Like maybe someone still does that, but very rarely. Now you're gonna have a kid there where it's like, hey, get some kind of education. You might have six or seven careers. Um, and so point. therefore, yeah. maybe I have another career right now yeah. and, and it's not necessarily working the door at Walmart. It could be, Hey, I'm going to consult now, or I'm going to go back into the office three days a week, or I'm going to take my set of skills and do something, you know, into my sixties or seventies, because quite frankly, I'm healthier than, than people were a generation or two. My, my, my grandfather I see pictures of him. He died around the age that we are right now. And he looked 80 because he worked in a factory his whole life yeah. uh, in Ohio. Yeah. And so when you see pictures of him, you're like, how old was grandpa? 75? He's like, no, he's 53 there. Wow. You're like, what? Yeah. Uh, and so that's just, that was the world. So I try to look at this a little differently now. I, th I think about your son. You know, we just went through the flag football uh, thing with him. And I'm looking at all these 12 and 13-year-olds their work life's going to be so radically different than ours yep. ever was. And in some ways, I think it's really exciting. Uh, like, I think your son could go, you know what, dad? Um, I am going to go travel the world for a year, but I have a job where Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, I'm going to be online in a cafe somewhere and I'm going to do my work. And then Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I'm going to be exploring South America or wherever it is that's available to him. That was never available to us or our parents. So I just think it's different. And I don't begrudge people that have said, Hey, this really changed. It's more expensive than I thought. I'm going to have to do something on the fly here. Yeah. I, I, I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday about his parents and, and one of his parents have had, you know, some medical issues and, and the parents, I really enjoy when they come here. And as we were talking, I was talking, I said, Hey, I have a backyard cottage if you ever need to use it for your, and then, and then I was thinking, Oh, your parents are never coming here again because they've aged out of traveling. Right. And so as, as you get older, sometimes I don't know if your role gets smaller, but it certainly becomes different. And I like, I like young people that say, I have a plan. I'm going to take that year or take these weeks. We've met a lot of them through the course of the, of this business. So we've seen how it works. As long as they're taking responsibility for that and their parent, you're, you're like a 29 year old man. Your parents should be financing that for you because they should be focused on their own retirement. At the same time, I was pretty much cut loose when I was 16 and, and financially I've always been on my own. The, 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 I, I think it's helpful when your parents can give you a good push, but but not to carry you through your 20s and 30s because it's through that course of failing. And and I share this on another podcast with my son at the end of the year when we were talking about what we learned from football. And we decided that we learned more from the failures of what that felt like than we did from the wins. The wins were very satisfying, but we never you never really analyze a win and why did we win. And we, but when you fail... When you lose, when you have to go over and shake a, another young person's hand that has beat you, you learn from that. And so I think we have to be really careful about not giving pillows to our kids in their 20s and 30s 
let the baby bird leave the nest. So anyway, we will see you on the other side of this. We're going to talk about some books and podcasts. Ron just, uh, he gave me a book probably a year ago and it's been on my, my list to read, but I've been reading some other books. I finally got to it. We'll tell you about it next. Hey, it's Ron here with Mitch Weeks from Mitch.loans. Mitch, it's interesting, as the interest rates have risen, many people thought, oh, well, there'll be a bunch of inventory that comes on right at the first part of 2023, and then things will level out. That didn't happen. Inventory remains tight. Interest rates remain high. Why would that still be a good time to buy? Well, now's a great time to buy, and that's because rates are going to drop, and we're going to see a feeding frenzy. Right now, there's a huge stagnant hole in the market, and that's that 700k to 1.2-ish million dollar home. And all the people living in those homes right now either refied or bought in a two and a half to three and a half percent rate, and they're terrified to move. They know if they sell their home, they're going to have to jump into a six, six and a half percent rate, and it just won't look as attractive. So what's going to happen is rates are going to drop and all those people who wanted to move, wanted to upsize, wanted to move for whatever reason, you know, people just like to move in life, but they don't move if there's this blocker. And we're going to see that blocker come off. We're going to see the cap come off and we're going to see a, a bit of a frenzy here. All right. So this would be the time to buy and then replace the rate. Uh, once it drops with your new program. Yeah, we've got the rate and replace program. You can buy now and you can refi free of charge, free of the lender fees. Um, and we'll take care of those for you. So great deal. All right. Check him out online at Mitch.loans. It's not a dot com. It's Mitch.loans. All right, you guys, welcome back to uh, the Ron and Don show. Let's talk about podcast books. And if you have a good podcast or book, find us, ronanddonsitdown.com and uh, send us an email today or find us. He's Ron Upshaw, Don O'Neill on our socials, on Instagram, Facebook, and uh, Ron's also on Twitter. So anyway, this is kind of interesting. You gave me a book called Sapiens about a, a, about a year ago. I just picked it up, and I think I'm about halfway through. Talk about Sapiens uh, a, a little bit and what this book's about. Yeah, it's, very, is... it's very intriguing, and when I saw that, Ron Upshaw read it, Bill Gates read it, Barack Obama read it, I'm like, I got to read this thing. So this is not a new book. It's probably been out for, I don't know, close to a decade now, I would imagine. Um, and it is an author that basically tells the story in relatively straightforward terms of, of humanity on earth. Like it starts with, you know, humanity and works its way forward. 14 but the billion way, years ago at the Big Bang is where, is where he starts. And then, right. and, so then, it's and, then the, he, and then he moves you forward in a very, it's the way he organizes the thoughts. Cause, cause, cause he explains history and the history of all of us in a way that you, it's intriguing because you feel like he's explaining something that you've always wondered about. But, but there's been no scientist that can speak the language of normal humans. And he's like Malcolm Gladwell to me. Malcolm Gladwell, when he writes a book, he says, I'm writing it for an eighth grader. I wouldn't say this book is written from an eighth grader, but it's like I think an eighth grader could understand this book. So. Yes, he takes human history, life on earth, and he just he, he organizes it in a way of these big conceptual buckets, and he walks you through these things in a manner where he's not being, he's not talking down to you, but he's so kind of, his logic is so airtight that you're like, yeah, that makes sense. So in other words, like Sapiens, he talks about the, the title of the book, is he's like, hey, homo sapiens were not the only sapiens. 
And when you go back in the archaeological record, and this was the, I think, the mind bender for me, is he's like, there's a bunch of different sapien species. This is the one that happened to win out, and he has some theories on why this particular strain won out. But he's like, we're not unique. Like, there could have been Homo erectus, could have been the one that won. It could have been, I forget all the names, because I've, I've read the book. And he while. talks a lot about Neanderthals and, and compares the brain of the sapiens to the Neanderthals, which is very intriguing. Right. So you, after you read that and then you start to layer on society and culture and religion and uh, tribes, you know, tribes and yeah. social rules and all these things overlay. It's like fire was a big, it's part. like, wow, this would have been really different if, if Homo erectus had killed all the Homo sapiens. Uh, we'd be having a much different reality than we have right now uh, in terms of all the religions, all the tribes, all of the politics, all of the structures that were built after that. Uh, so I, I just found it to be one of the most mind-expanding books I've ever read. What What is your thought well, halfway the re- in I started now? reading this, and, th- and then I got interested in Walter Isaacson, who I've, I've read books about Ben Franklin, Steve Jobs' book. He's an historical writer. He's born in New Orleans. Uh, he's gotten older now, but he, he, he spends years and years and years of doing research. He wrote the Einstein biography as well. Yeah. So, so, so he's written a new book called the code that I also want to read, but I wanted to read sapiens before I read the code and the code talks about unlocking and being in a place right now in the scientific community. And if you think the big bang was 14 billion years ago and then, we start showing up in some type of form in atoms, molecules, and organisms about 4 billion years ago. You fast forward into the era, uh, and we're now in the science era. The science era has only been around for about 500 years, right? So it'll be very interesting how we unlock more and more science as we move forward. So that's why I want to read the code. And, and, and they said, we're getting to a point where... If you want to dial up a kid and you want your child to be six foot one and have blonde hair and blue eyes and look like me, you're going to be able to do that. But should we be able to do that? Because along with that, and he was talking about the fact, and and this was on the the Dak Shepard podcast that I was listening to, and Dak Shepard was like, well, could you wire someone with their genetic code where they wouldn't have a particular addiction, for instance, because Dak Shepard talked about his addiction and his addictions. And, and, and Walter Isaacson would say, yeah, we're going in that direction. And, and Dak Shepard pushed back and said, you know what? That's unfortunate because through my addiction, that is why I am the person that I am later on in life because of the things that I had to face. And what's going to happen, they also talk about dyslexia, and some of the people that dyslexia are some people that are can't hear. They said, not being able to hear or not being able to read created other things in them, right, where, where they became excellent in these other areas, like tune in a piano, for instance, right, for someone that's blind, they have the ability in their genetic code to expand in areas that they wouldn't expand with their other senses 
if they weren't blind or if they weren't deaf. And then they go on to talk about things of other diseases that we're possibly going to be able to take out of our genetic code. But should we? Yeah, should we do that? So that's what connected the book Sapiens to me. I'm halfway through, so don't I, tell I'm me glad, how it ends. I'm glad you're reading it. It's, it I, I can't recommend that book highly enough. It is, it is an absolute game changer. If you're open-minded and, and love to learn, it, it will, you'll stay up at nights thinking about this book. Yeah, and he talks a lot about religion, about groupthink. It's interesting because when we first went to real estate school, they teach you about spheres, and they say that, the, that a human has the ability, and, and these aren't all close relationships, to juggle about 150 people. Having 100, and, and, and this is where you think about tribes. I think about a tribe of 60, right? 150. And they say once you get beyond that number, then it's just people that, that you're drip feeding. It, it, it's impossible for one single human to, say, to, to have all these connections with others. But it's through those connections that we have with others and the importance of human touch and human connection that really became the driver. Human connection and fire changed everything. Human connection, fire, and then what ended up happening to the homo sapien brain. So anyway, thanks for the book. I can't wait to read the code as a result of that. And if you're looking for a good podcast, listen to Dax Shepard, especially if you've gone through addiction in your life. Really, really smart guy, has on great guests. He, unlike SmartList, where they don't do any research and they just have on one of their famous friends, he has on famous friends, but he reads all their books kind of in the same way that Oprah does that. I always appreciate when a host takes the time to read the book. And and, and Ron and I interviewing a, a, a lot of people that have written a lot of great books over the years, it shows up in the interview. And they know when you've read the book, because when they send the book out, to get the interview, the publisher will say, if you can't read the book, I'm going to send you cliff notes. You can tell a lot of times when hosts on podcasts have read the cliff notes and the publicist will actually send you the questions to ask the guest that's on. Uh, Zach, Dex Shepard doesn't do that. So I say armchair expert, great podcast, great guests, and then also the code and sapiens, what you got? I, I just re- recently discovered that uh, one of my guys, Rick Rubin, uh, the famous music producer and author, he he started an, another podcast. So he was doing um, Broken Record, which is all about music things with Malcolm Gladwell's company. And he started this new podcast. I believe it's called Tetragrammaton, which I, it, it, you just Tetragrammaton. It's the four letters that make up God. It, that's the, what the word. I had to and, look and it who, up. Who, why is Rick Rubin famous? So Rick Rubin uh, started Def Jam Records. Uh, he was originally he was the original DJ for the Beastie Boys. Discovered LL Cool J because uh, Mike D from the Beastie Boys gave him a cassette. Um, went on to do uh, everything from Public Enemy to Johnny Cash. I think he did a Neil Diamond record. He's he's one of the most influential music producers of all time. And he's just this very interesting human. Um, he's got a real long white beard, always wears, he's probably a, close to a billionaire by now, always wears this, he wears black shorts and a shirt, a t-shirt, no socks, no shoes, doesn't look like he combs his hair and he just, he's sort of a Buddha type figure. So anyways, he started this new podcast um, that I'm fine. It's, it's very long form. So if you drive a lot or if you're walking your 10,000 steps, this is the type of thing. And what he found, I listened to the trailer. 
what he found is when he did this broken record podcast, he's like, I've known some of these people for 30 years or more. Uh, like he had the guitar player for Red Hot Chili Peppers. He's like, I've done multiple Chili Peppers albums. And it wasn't until I interviewed the guitar player, John Frusciante, that I learned, I learned so many new things about my friend that for whatever reason, don't come up when we're having dinners together. They don't come up when he's over at the house. They don't come up when we're recording an album. But when I interviewed him, I learned all these things. And so he's like, I'm going to go through. He's like, I know a lot of people for decades. He goes, I'm going to just start interviewing them on this new podcast. And he goes, the broken record thing was only musicians. This list lets me do anybody I want. So, so far I've listened to, he did an episode with Jimmy Iovine, the famous music producer, and he founded beats by Dre and, uh, Interscope records and all that stuff. It, it's an astonishing conversation. They're just talking about it. Like one, one thing that I remember that sticks out to me is so, um, Jimmy Iovine did Tom Petty's early records and he was the one, he was actually secretly dating Stevie Nicks and he stole a Tom Petty song and gave it to Stevie Nicks behind Tom's back because Stevie was literally living in his house and he made her go down to the basement when Tom would come over because he didn't want Tom to know that he was dating Stevie. And so he took Stop Dragging My Heart Around, I believe was the song, uh, gave it to Stevie. And then Tom didn't want to forgive him. And so he talks about what it took to get Tom's friendship back. Wow. And and so then at the end of his career, or sort of the middle end of his career, Rick Rubin produced Tom Petty. So Rick Rubin did Wildflowers. He did, uh, I think he did three albums with Tom, some of them being incredible records. Last Dance for Mary Jane, that was Rick Rubin. Tom Petty gave him a, a, a demo tape, and that riff was something that he goofed off on between two tracks. It was like eight seconds long. Rick listened to the whole demo and he's like, all this, he goes, no offense. Those songs are crap. Whatever this eight seconds was that you were goofing off with here, write a song to that. And so Tom took it back and wrote last chance for Mary Jane. And they went off and did all this stuff. So they had this conversation around Tom Petty had invited both of them independent of each other to come to his last show of the tour at the Hollywood bowl. And then subsequently he died of a f- accidental fentanyl overdose because he had injured his hip during the tour and was taking pain medications. Tom Petty, I'm talking about. So both of them talked about how they didn't go to that show. And so, and for Jimmy, it was because it was on a Sunday night and he didn't feel like driving all the way up to the Hollywood bowl. And he felt a tremendous amount of guilt that, he didn't go to that last show because he loved Tom so much. Mm. Rick Rubin similarly was like, I don't like crowds as much as people think I like to go to the show and to be around. He's like, it just, it doesn't fit my personality. I'd rather be, he's like, I don't like being backstage and everybody talking to me. Uh, and even though it's Tom Petty and I love him, I just, it's, it, I don't like that. So he didn't go. And his take was it happened exactly the way it was supposed to happen. And so he and Jimmy have this moment where, and they never would have had this moment had it not been for this podcast. He's like, he's trying to tell him, he's trying to tell Jimmy Iovine, one of the most successful music producers ever, it's okay that you missed that show. Hmm. And it's okay, Tom knew that you loved him. 
And we talked, we talked about you uh, when we did our records together and it's okay that you had a relationship with Stevie Nicks in that, that song. So it's like, you're, yeah. they're talking about these Titans of stop, stop dragging your heart around. Right. Yeah. Heal it. And yeah. it's just, it's an, it's, it's a really fascinating podcast. And, and especially if you know the guests. So I listened to the Phil Jackson episode and, and it starts with Rick going, I know nothing about basketball. Let's talk about basketball. So they spend an hour and 45 minutes talking about stuff and you learn a lot of things about Michael Jordan and Phil Jackson and Native right. Americans. And so it's, it's a very long form interview show uh, that if you're on the beach or if you're taking a plane flight, I would really recommend it. All right, I'm going to check it out. Dax Shepard's armchair expert. And then also Rick Rubin has a new podcast out that we can't uh, pronounce. Tetragrammaton. There you go. <laughs> and I have to say, I cannot. For, I haven't figured him out yet. I'm still trying to because I watched him in documentaries, and I watched him in a documentary about the Red Hot Chili Peppers. It seems like he's a he's he he says he really doesn't understand the structure of music. Always, uh, he doesn't know how to run a board. But what he does know is he'll hear greatness. And he'll encourage, like you just said, an artist to double down on that. And sometimes he'll just go in the studio. He'll take off a shoe. He'll do some yoga. He'll lay down. He'll go to sleep. And he just kind of listens. And when he hears something that he feels like is great or a hit or something they should explore, that, that, that's when he jumps One in. One of my favorite moments of him in, in that Chili Peppers doc is he's sitting there with Flea and he basically goes, play less. <laughs> and it was great hey ron and don talk less hey you guys but you know what sell more if you're looking to uh, sell your property ron and don sit down.com thanks for listening to this episode of the ron and don show we appreciate you trusting us not only as your realtors but really as your friends your broadcasters that means a lot to us and we've done a lot of great cause radio over the years and we'll continue to do so don't forget if you want to reach out to us it's super simple you guys yeah you can email me directly ron at ronandon.com if you're old school like that or go to ronandonsitdown.com we can set up a zoom meeting it's never too early to have that conversation uh, i talked with some folks the other day that were several years out on their plan and they just wanted to do the sit down to get the ball rolling we encourage that it's ronandonsitdown.com yeah and i just have to ask you red hot chili peppers all these guys are over 60 now they, they're all just ripped in the, the way they jump around a stage. And I love when they ask Anthony uh, Kiedis, the pride of Grand Rapids. They said, what's it like to be the lead singer of the Red Hot Chili Peppers? He goes, I'm not the lead singer. He goes, we're all lead singers. He goes, have you seen our drummer? Yeah. We're all, we're all front men. And that's why he said the Red Hot Chili Peppers has worked for so long. It's really interesting to hear those guys because we all hear of bands that had to heal a lot of things like Guns N' Roses in order to come back together. Those guys have just always been, they've gone through a lot, but they've always they've always been connected and they've always respected one another. Yeah, John Frusciante had a journey through drugs and darkness. Yeah. It was pretty profound. What a guitar player yeah. though, right? What a, what, and I think underrated is, um, is certainly a matter of fact. Rondonsitdown.com if you need us to run up Shaw, Don O'Neill on the socials. Always available if you're thinking about buying, investing, selling in the region of Washington State. Yeah, we can help you all over Washington State. Just reach out as we have the largest social media following, the largest podcast of any realtor out there. Head up, shoulders back. We'll see you tomorrow. We're doing every Friday. If, if you're interested in real estate, just learning more, you're an agent, you're brand new, maybe even an agent for quite some time, or 
uh, you're just interested in knowing more about your own property or buying a property and how things work or how do I become a buy and hold investor? How do I run an STR? Uh, make sure you check out the Friday podcast. It's usually about 15 minutes. It's one segment uh, and it's just us talking real estate. Okay, we'll see you next time. You're listening to the Ron and Don Show only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and keep blowing that trumpet and we'll see you next time. Only! 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 Only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Only.